We all know that hustle is part of the formula if we're going to do what we've been created to do. I mean, after all, churches and businesses don't start themselves. You're not the only one going for the promotion. And how will you ever get into your dream school without some hustle? And when I say dream school, yes, we have people in our church right now who are trying to get college dream choices for them, but we have some in our church right now who are longing for their kindergarten appointment. If you don't have kids or you're watching online from somewhere else in the world, San Francisco is one of the rare places in the United States where you don't go to school based on where you live. You go to school based on where you get slotted by the infamous San Francisco, at least public school, lottery. And so you've got to hustle if you're going to get your spot. I mean, I know parents, and I've seen some of them even at the 9 o'clock gathering, and they're, you know, like they're 10 days away from, in their minds, knowing their child's forever future based on this one decision. And so they have researched, they have gone to tours, they've been on blogs that you cannot imagine. They have hired a coach, not for just them as parents, but for their four-year-old back in the day to figure out how to interview in case you go for the private school route, then you've got to really up your game. And then they're waiting on word that's going to set in their minds the future trajectory of their child's entire life. If you're going to do what you need to do in this life, some hustle is required, right? And I genuinely believe this. Let's start out right here. You will not accomplish God's purpose for your life without some hustle. Just before we say anything else today, I want to just lay it out there. You will not accomplish God's purpose for your life without some hustle. Jesus had a little hustle, yeah? Would he have accomplished his mission without really going for it? I don't think so. Would Esther have spared all of the Jews living in Susa under King Xerxes? I don't think so. Did Paul have a little bit of hustle behind his life? Paul, the guy that started 20-something churches, any, that guy, hustle. He did not say when he came to the end of his life, he did not say, hey, I relaxed and chilled as much as I could. What did he say? I came and I fought the... I'm going to have to wake you up so you can get a little hustle. I mean, I, at 9 o'clock was already hustling, but you guys are kind of like, no, nah, Ben, we're good. <laughs> you will not accomplish God's purpose for your life without some hustle, but here's another reality you must understand. God never intended for endless hustle to be the norm for your life. God never created you so that you would hustle endlessly. That's not the point of your life. It doesn't matter who your boss is, what your position is, how old you are, what city you might be living in. God did not create you to hustle endlessly. And herein lies the problem, doesn't it? We're supposed to hustle, but not forever. We're supposed to work hard, but not endlessly. Herein lies the problem. Hustle is expected. Hustle is a necessity. But when is enough? Enough. And why can't we stop? And why are we so terrible when it comes to limits and boundaries? In January, just a couple of months ago, in the New York Times, I read this article by Emily Griffith. The article is titled, Why Are Young People Pretending to Love Work? Here's what she says in it. Here's what she says in it. On some level, you have to respect the hustlers who see a dismal system and understand that success in it requires total shameless buy-in. If we're doomed to toil away until we die, we may as well pretend to like it. Kerry Newhoff is a pastor, author, leader out of Canada. He has a weekly podcast and just search for Kerry, C-A-R-E-Y, his 
last name is a little bit funky, but um, you'll, you'll find him. And he wrote a book called Didn't See It Coming, and one of the things he says in that book is this, workaholism is the most rewarded addiction in America today. You may get fired for drinking too much, but working too much usually gets you promoted. It will also get you a raise. Familiar? A lot of things people are getting fired for today, right? I'm guessing in your organization, your company, people are getting fired for all kinds of things. Overworking isn't on the list. I mean, how many of you are like, your boss is like, hey, we've got to let you go. You're just killing it. And you go for it 24-7, and we're just not that kind of company. <laughs> Anybody work there? Anybody, everybody's like, I mean, it's, it's, it's this fascinating thing. I mean, we, we have this suspicion what Endless Hustle is doing to our lives, what it is doing to our ability or lack of ability to be present, and we even have this profound sense of what it is probably doing to our souls. And yet, to Will's point a moment ago, we will teach on this every year, and it doesn't mean that anything's going to change for the bulk of us. And we don't think there is another way. We think there's theory about another way, We think that if we were living in a different era, there would be another way. We think if we were living in a different country or even somewhere else besides where we're living in this country, we think if we didn't have the title we had, that maybe there would be another way. But so many of us are convinced that there is no other way. And as Will said a moment ago, that just isn't the truth. And so what I want to do today is cover this in a talk I'm calling Anxious Toil. Anxious toil. I will use that phrase interchangeably with endless hustle, but really the scripture writers, especially Solomon, as we'll read in a moment, he uses this phrase, anxious toil. And if you have a Bible on you, I want to read Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2. It will also be on the screen. Feel free to stand. I typically teach out of the NIV, but I want to read this from the ESV. And what I want you to know is that these two verses are the foundational verses that Epic Church was built on. At our very first launch team meeting a long time ago, eight and a half years or so, these are the verses that I shared, 13 of us, as passionately as I'm going to share it today. You've heard it maybe if you've been in our church. I've talked about this on Vision Sundays or times where we were casting vision for the future of this church. But today isn't so much about the future of our church, though this will have ramifications for that. It's about your future. It's really about what's at stake And I want to put myself in the box with you to begin with to know that this is one of the hardest things in my entire life. I'm not saying I've never battled other addictions in my life, but this addiction to anxious toil, it has robbed me of so many things, whether it be nights of sleep, not being present to my own children and my wife, not being the kind of person that I need to be for you. And I want to lean in with you and invite you to lean in as well. So in the ESV, Psalm 127, 1 and 2 says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. You may be seated. We can give all kinds of reasons why we hustle endlessly, but the core reason for our endless hustle is a faith issue. You don't have an argument on this one. I know you want to, but bend my position, but bend my assignment in the season. 
It is a faith issue. There are some things in life that are on my plate and that are on your plate, and we can't do anything about those things. But there are so many other things that actually aren't on our plate, not from God, not from people that are over us, not even from our companies, and we decide to put it on our plate anyway. And all of a sudden, we're trying to juggle something God never handed us. You will not build everything God intends for you to build in your life all by yourself. It will not matter how smart you get. It will not matter how hard you work. It will not even matter if you become the famous one known for never taking a day off. Endless hustle is one way to make sure we miss out on so much of what God intends for our lives. Endless hustle Anxious toil is one way to make sure we miss out on so much of what God intends for our lives. Here's the deception that many of us are under. We think that endless hustle is God's prescription and assignment for our lives. But if this is your reality, anxious toil, you will miss out on what God actually came to give you. And you will tell yourself, Man, God gave me such a huge assignment. I never had time for him. I live with anxiety all the time and this burden on my life. God's like, I didn't give you that. I I didn't give you that. I came to give you peace. I came to speak peace into that. I came to give you a stopping point. I came to give you a 6-1 rhythm throughout your week. I came to give you a lot of things. You weren't doing my work when you lived that way. Unless the Lord builds the house, we will build it in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, you and I, we will actually watch over it in vain, whether it's watching over the city, watching over the stock market. Anybody ever watched over the stock market in vain? Anybody besides your pastor been watching over the Weather Channel app in vain the last three months? I'm just like, oh my gosh, come on, radar, radar. What is it? It's like, we, we, but we watch over all of that in vain. I've got no control over that stuff. We're watching over it in vain. We will cheat sleep. We'll stay up way too late. We will wake up way too early. And the scripture says that will also be in vain. It will be in vain. There's a phrase in verse 2 that probably you've never said, but you might say it after today. Something you probably have never said, but you resonate with it incredibly well when he says, here's my diet. I'm eating the bread of anxious toil. Some of you have been on that diet for the last decade. And you've told yourself it has to be this way. Some of you have deceived yourself so much that you told yourself this was God's intention for your life. Some of you told yourself and those closest to you this will only be a season, but that season's lasted four and a half years. Guys, that's not a season. That's your life. You're overwhelmed. You're fearful. You're anxious. You're exhausted, and you keep asking yourself, when is it going to be enough? And while you're asking that question, God's been asking you, when will you have had enough? It's never done for you what you promised it would do for you. Why don't you go a different path? Around Epic, we're always talking about in any endeavor, there's a part for God to play and there's a part for us to play. And hear your pastor today. I want you to play the fullness of your part. I want you to go right up to the edge of your part. And then I want you to stop there. Because if you don't, everything falls off. I want you to play your part. 
I want you to do what God's created you to do. I want you to give it all you have, but wherever that line ends, stop. You're not God. Ruth Haley Barton in her book, Sacred Rhythms, says this. Another reason we are so tired is that we are always working hard to figure things out rather than learning how to cease striving, how to be with what is true in God's presence and let God be God in the most intimate places of our life, which is, in the end, the only thing that will change anything. We're busy trying to make stuff happen rather than waiting on God to make stuff happen. Anybody? Besides me? You are limited. God is limitless. You cannot do anything and everything. God can do anything and everything. You are not self-sufficient. God is all-sufficient. The question you should ask coming out of those two verses is, why does he prescribe sleep as the antidote to our anxious toil? Why does he prescribe sleep? And you need to know the kind of sleep he's talking about. Let me talk about the sleep he's not talking about. Anybody know what it's like to fall asleep out of sheer exhaustion? Anybody know how to sleep any other way? During the nine o'clock crowd, and maybe it's true in this room, I don't know, but people were apparently sleeping during my message out of sheer exhaustion. I'm sure it had nothing to do with a boring message. We know what it's like to just literally fall asleep out of sheer exhaustion. That is not what's being prescribed here. The kind of sleep that's being prescribed here is the sleep that is a defiant act of trust and faith in the God who will keep things going while you don't. And I don't think he just means physical sleep. I think he's also referencing your ability and willingness to stop, to cease, and just to rest. It's the kind of sleep that says, God, I think I've done my part today. I'm sure I didn't get everything perfect. Forgive me for where I messed up or missed out. But God, today, I've given all I have. If there's anything that's going to happen in the next six, seven, eight, or, oh, God willing, nine hours, it's going to have to be you, the one, you're, you're going to have to be the one doing it. Sleep is an act of trust. Do you truly believe that God is at work when you are asleep? Do you truly believe that God is at work when you are asleep? If not, I beg you, stay awake. Because if you don't, how else will the world keep going? Some of you are like, Ben, I trust God a little bit, but I wake up every couple of hours to check my phone to make sure everything's still going. Yeah, I get that. Because you have so much control. Mark Buchanan, in his powerful book called The Rest of God, if you've not read this book, I just want to encourage you to read it, to buy it. There's a small group going through it right now. I've probably read it 10 or so times in my own life because it just is so needed in so many seasons of life for me. But here's what he says about this. He says, if God works all things together for the good for those who love him and are called to his purposes, you can relax. If he doesn't, start worrying. This is stuff we're really good at, right? Anybody awesome at worrying? Like, you're better than the rest of us when it comes to anxiety and worry. If God can take any mess, any mishap, any wastage, any wreckage, any anything, and choreograph beauty and meaning from it, then you can take a day off. If he can't, get busy. Either God's always at work, watching the city, building the house, or you need to try harder. Either God is good and is in control, or it all depends on you. 
Psalm 121, verses 1 through 4, psalmist writes, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Yes, that's where your help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. You can go to sleep because God will not. You can stop because God will not. You can take a day off because he's got your life and he's got the rest of us and our entire world in his hands. Not only can you stop, you should stop. If you never stop, you will cease from being able to know God in the intimate way that he wants to know you. The scriptures say in Psalm 139 that God is familiar with all of our ways. He's familiar with all of our ways, but we so often choose anxious toil over being familiar with him and his ways. And your anxious toil is robbing you of the things that God longs to give you. God longs to give you rest. He longs to give you peace. He longs to give you joy. And your anxious toil is actually keeping you from being present to him in the way that you were created to be present to him. But not only is it keeping you from being present to him, it's keeping you from being present to the rest of us. Your anxious toil means your friends never get the best of you. Your anxious toil means your spouse always is second or lower on the list. Your anxious toil, check this, it now means your kids are no longer excited when you walk in the door every day because they've learned something over the years. Your physical presence at home no longer guarantees that your attention towards them will be full. And some of you don't have kids, you're like off the hook. You've got other people in your life who would love to sit with you over coffee or a meal and just to have you focus in the moment. Guys, we live as though the greatest commandment Jesus gave when he was asked that pivotal question by the expert in the law, we live as though his answer was, hustle endlessly, 24-7, live with as much anxious toil as you can. But if he didn't say that, remind me what he did say were the two greatest commandments. Come on, I hear those guilty voices. Oh God, something about loving God with everything that we have, something about loving our neighbors or so. But you're living like he's told you to go kill it 24-7. That's what matters most. How many things have you and I missed out on? And some of us, we're on a trajectory. If we keep walking the same path, we're going to get to some point later on in our lives, and we're going to have this massive amount of regret. And here's what's crazy. You know what you're going to look back and regret? We're going to look back and regret the things right now we're saying is, if I can get this, this is everything. That's what you're going to regret. How many times have I missed out on listening to Shauna because I was consumed with producing something so that the church would be in good hands? How many times have I told my kids, just wait, just wait, just wait. I've got this really important thing coming in. Guys, I'm tired of missing out on what matters most, and I believe for me, and many of you are wired like me, I believe this will be a lifelong battle for me. Let me tell you this, I'm going to engage this battle. I'm not going to, even when I lose once, I'm not going to lose forever. I'm going to engage the battle. There's too much at stake, and I promise you, And I want to ask you the same question. I've reached a conclusion for my life. God, I'm not going to get this perfect, but as best I understand it, I'm going to see what you have for me, and I'm going to get in on that. I'm tired of missing out. This past week, 
I was really freaking out because I didn't get a manuscript prepared for my Easter message. Regardless of the fact that I had the next five messages already done. I had forgotten that the reason I got ahead is so that when I had an off week, I would be okay. And then my fifth grader has the audacity to invite me to go on an overnight field trip with him. <laughs> so we go, and it was unbelievable, but I'm still battling, like, okay, Ben, don't think about it. Like, just be present, and maybe I got it right for one of the first times in my life, at least in a full way. We were up at this Russian encampment, Fort Ross, uh, a couple hours away on the one, right on the ocean. Um, he and I had the most incredible time Thursday and Friday, mostly. Um, we were part of the militia, so we had rifles. Don't worry, they weren't loaded, kids. Um, and uh, we're part of the militia, and they, they wanted to really live how it was back in the day there, from 1812 to 1841. So everybody had a two-hour night watch shift, and our night watch shift was 1 to 3 a.m., and so we're rocking that, and... and uh, and we had the best time with it. The two of us drove up there, then we drove back on Friday, and then I lost sleep last night too, but that's beside the point, right? It's not because of anxious toil. Um, and you guys, I've missed too many of those moments. And I think I'm a fairly present dad. I still miss too many of those moments. The teacher that Asher has, it's the sixth year in a row that our family's had this teacher. She's a fourth, fifth grade combination teacher. Um, which meant that Elijah and Sam and now Asher have all done this trip. Um, and this is the only one I got in on. Now, I'm not saying I did something wrong. I'm sure I had something super important whenever those guys went on their trip. But I'm just tired of missing out on it. God can hold up my work. He can hold up this church. He can hold up what I think I have to do and am responsible for. And he can hold up what you're responsible for too. He really can. Like, he really can. I want to read something to you from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, and I want to beg you not to become this person. This is from Solomon as well. He says, again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This, too, is meaningless, a miserable business. Anybody find the irony in his statement? The thing that we're trying to find our entire meaning in, he says it's what? Meaningless. Now, I don't think you can give this excuse to your supervisor this week. They're like, hey, why didn't you get the project done? I'm like, I read somewhere on Sunday that was meaningless. <laughs> There's a guy down in Soma, Ben Pilgrim, you just go tell, like, he's responsible. It's a... <laughs> I think it's meaningless when it becomes the weight of all of the meaning. Anybody ever feel what he said there about this individual, about yourself? There was no end to his toil. Anybody ever been there? And then the question is, why do we keep going after it with anxious toil? The reason is because we tell ourselves, I know I didn't get there yesterday. I know I didn't get there last year. I know I didn't get there in my 40s, but maybe in my 50s, I'll finally get there. And so we keep going and he keeps going. And what does he end up with? Does he get the things that anxious toil promised him? There are three things just in these two verses that he ends up with. Who wants these things? Loneliness. Anybody want loneliness? Discontentment. Anybody want that one? Lack of joy. Who's in now? 
And I don't even have to ask you if you trust Solomon's words here. I know you do. And those of you that aren't there yet, I wish you could sit in some of the meetings I get to have. Because you tell yourself, if you had such and such position, you would have everything you need. I've sat with people in all kinds of those positions, and let me tell you, they still don't have everything they need. You tell yourself, amassing wealth is the end game for me. I have been with some of the wealthiest people I could have even imagined ever meeting in my life, and they're going, it's not curing my anxiety. It's not giving me the kind of marriage that I want. Our kid, my kids and I aren't close. Guys, you can keep playing the game or you can trust these words that in the end you will be lonely, lacking contentment, and you will have no joy. Who wants that? When's the last time you asked the question that he never asked? Or he finally asked maybe, for whom are you toiling? Some people say, I'm working this hard to provide for my family. You do have to work hard probably to provide for your family. But ask your family, are you working hard to give them what they're actually enjoying or are they missing out on something that they wish they had a little bit of? Guys, the problem with so much of our faith is that there are all kinds of things that God wants us to always have present in our lives. There are all kinds of things God wants us to never have present in our lives. But you know where we struggle, don't you? Right? We cannot just eat one piece of chocolate. God's like, chocolate, good, Ben. 12 pieces of it, not good. Right? Work, good. Go for it six days. 24-7, bad. And there's all of these things that God created, and he says about your hustle, it's good. Your toil is good. You will not live out your divine assignment without some hustle. Like, I guess God could have started this church any way he wanted to, but if we hadn't hustled, there's no church right now. I believe that. But there's a limit for me and there's a limit for you. Where are you going to end up? I I love when I used to think so much about my joy being tied to my accomplishment, to my wealth, to my possession. There's this little verse in Psalm chapter 4, verse 7, and it says this, and I love it. It says, fill me with joy when their grain and new wine abound. You know, I love that. Somebody's like, Ben, what's our equivalent of grain and new wine? Position, prestige, possessions, wealth. Why, Why do I love that? Because so many of us are living under the deception that My joy is tied to how much money I make, what position I have, right? All of those things. And I love that. Fill me with joy. God, you can do something in me that can make me more joy-filled than they have when they get all of the things that they're going after. And to align our souls with God, we must embrace this, guys. We are limited human beings who must limit our human doing. I hate limitations. Anyone else? We hate making choices. We want to be everything. We want to do everything. We want to own everything. But you are a limited human being who needs to limit your human doing. This is why God is so serious about the Sabbath, which we'll talk about next week. He gives it to us as a gift. And for every one of us in this room, who has people that are working under us, for us, we have some questions to ask too, don't we? 
If that model is being set by you of anxious toil, how do you expect those who follow you to live? Yeah. And let me say this. If you say at the end of the day, Ben, I cannot do this because of the role that I currently have. I want you to have enough faith to trust God to give you something that will allow you to do what he's clearly told you to do. We go through seasons, but do you have that kind of faith? Faith that if you do what God's called you to do, God will play the part that only he can play in your life. Do you have that kind of faith? Let me give you some practical solutions to endless hustle, to stopping endless hustle. I think you know the practical solutions to endless hustle. I'm just give you four things, not exhaustive, didn't read it in a book, just things that have been helpful to me. The first one is this, because there's always more, give yourself three things you must do each day. Because there's always more, give yourself three things, but Ben, I've got 300 things to do each day. Choose three. I didn't say just do three, just choose the three vital things so that you know when you're done at the end of the day. Otherwise, guys, there's no finish line, is there? Anybody ever got to the finish line where all your work was done forever? You're gonna have to set your own. And my encouragement, a practice that I've been doing for a while now is before I leave the office every single day, I just write my one, two, three for, the, for tomorrow. Now, I would say every day I'm doing more than three things. But I just know going in, when I wake up, I already know these are the three vitals for today. Yeah, there's going to be a lot. And, and by the way, uh, checking email and social media never is in the top three. Everybody clear. Everybody clear. I can give you some other things that can never make the top three. Um, but I just give myself those things because the way I'm wired, I'll just go, 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 go. And then I'll do 45 things. And then at the end of the day, go, I don't know if we got enough done. So do that. Number two, seek to eliminate hurry from your life. Hurry is an indication of what's wrong in your life and it will cause other things to go wrong. It's an indication of what is wrong and hurry will cause other things to go wrong. Are you always running late? Are you always dependent on the train to come at the exact time without any breakdowns? Otherwise, you won't make your meeting. You don't have to raise your hand. I'm just asking questions, people. Don't shoot the messenger. Are you always eating breakfast and putting your makeup on in transit while you're driving? Is hurry getting you what you thought it would bring you? Number three. Decide when the last working moment of the day will be. Decide when the last, this is a game changer. This will take care of some of your anxiety right now overnight. Just decide when the last working moment of the day will be. Like Ben is checking email work. Um, if it makes you have anxiety about your work, yeah, it is. Decide when the last working moment of the day will be. You're not holding the world up, and you're not holding your company up, and you're not holding this church up, and neither am I. The fourth one is this invitation to our focus weekend, May 17th through 19th. What, what a weekend like this can do is it can kind of reset us, and it can restart us down a healthier path, down this alternative path that God has given to us. And what I want you to do as we begin to close up this talk is just to think about this one question. What have you been given in your life that your toil did not produce? What have you been given throughout your life that your toil did not produce? And my assumption is that 
it was in some way a sheer gift of grace from God. And I wonder as you and I think about what God has done, who he's introduced us to, what he's gotten accomplished, how he gave us the job or how he provided for the home, whatever he did, maybe you even had a little part in it, but you just had a little part. Like you literally had to make one phone call, but God did everything else. I want to remind you of that so that you believe freedom from your anxious toil is possible. And I want to land this plane in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. It just came to me this morning, not on the screen, but it'll be familiar to some of you. Listen to me say this. Paul writes, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by works, or not by your toil, or not by your endless hustle, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Jesus does not intend anxious toil to be the norm for your life. Everything that's going to last in the end is a sheer gift of his grace. I love that it says, not of yourself so that no one can boast. But then he says in verse 10, but you, you, you have this divine assignment. And God has some things that he wants you to do with your life. And the most helpful thing you can do for yourself is get clear on what those are and then leave the rest into his hands. Guys, there are things I've seen God do, whether it's bringing our daughter home from India, whether it's giving epic property when it came down in this space between us and a CrossFit gym and they didn't know what had happened, but there were some things going on that I had no knowledge of and God was working behind the scenes to give us this space. I've seen my friends who did nothing to get the homes that they're living in today and yet we think we've got to hustle for it. We've got to have a resume and we've got to show up at every open house and sometimes you do. I'm not saying you don't, but I'm saying that God's best gifts in your life didn't come from your hustle. Why do you live as though your future gifts will come from that? He came to free you, and for some of you, it is easier for you to get free from your substance addiction and other addictions you have in your life than to be free of the addiction that comes with anxious toil. What I'm praying God will do in these next few moments is begin to see faith from you rise in him. Yes. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Out of the mouths of babes. And as faith rises, here's what I also believe what will rise that anxious toil will begin to lift off of your life. And let me tell you, if your experience is anything like mine, at first you'll feel like something's wrong. At first, in those moments when I get it right, I'm like, God, why am I not so passionate about Epic Church? He's like, Ben, you're passionate. You're just not doing 24-7 with it, and you don't need to. It'll feel like something's wrong if you're used to anxious toil. But maybe that's exactly what God wants to bring to you, peace instead of your anxiety. Calm instead of your fears. Some of you haven't had a sound night of sleep in many years. God wants to free you today. Will you let him? I want to ask you to take a posture of prayer, whatever that looks like for you. As our band comes up to lead this song, I I think the lyrics will resonate with everything we're asking God to do in this space. Guys, we're also going to have some leaders. Leaders, go ahead and just position yourself toward the back and on the side. Thank you so much. These leaders are ready just to pray with you. You see, we all know that this is a problem we have in common, and so we're not going to get out of it in isolation. You're going to have a chance just to tell someone towards the back and on the side, like, I struggle with this, I'm tempted to live this way, but I know that God has given me alternative. Will you pray for me to find a way forward? Will you pray that I will be 
willing to trust God rather than just trust myself? Will you pray that God will give me a sane rhythm of work and rest? They're ready to pray for you. They're ready to believe what maybe you can't even believe for yourself. You guys, I'm passionate about this because it's robbed me and I watch it rob so many of you. And I want to say enough is enough. Because here's the truth. Unless the Lord builds whatever's being built in your life, you will build it in vain. Unless the Lord watches over you, your family, your work, your home, you will watch over it yourself in vain. You will stay up late and you will rise up early. You will keep eating the bread of anxious toil. But you need to know that he says enough is enough. I will take it from here. Guys, this could be an invitation to place your faith in Jesus for the first time, but for so many of us, it's an invitation to replace or to again place our faith in Jesus on this issue. Jesus, you know that the best things in my life did not come from my endless hustle. In fact, can we just name it, church? The worst things in my life maybe have come from my endless hustle. You're bearing an anxiety and a load that God never intended for you to bear. Yeah, you're finally falling asleep each night, but out of sheer exhaustion, not out of defiant faith. And you're on a path, whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, or 70s, you're on a path that I promise you is going to cause you to look back and go, God, why did I just trust you? I missed out on so much. Church, you have a chance. We have a chance to make a decision today to quit missing out. You were made for more than anxious toil. God, would you meet us in this space? Would faith rise? Would you lift the burden? Would you invite us to walk in your freedom? In Jesus' name, amen. I want to ask you to stand. And again, our leaders are just ready to pray with you. Their position. Guys, don't carry this burden alone. You're only admitting what we all know to be true about you already. Because it's true about us. But we're going to believe that God will lift some things and bring freedom. So let's move. Let's pray. Let's worship. Listen to these lyrics.